turning there. And uh, if you'll pay attention, amen, I may let you go a little bit early tonight. We'll see by way of outline. Uh, I don't have a very thick outline for you. Just going to share some simple thoughts that I have for our young people and what my burden is for our young people here at Central. I know the burden of all of those who work with them. I want to say thank you to all of our teachers as well who invest in our kiddos and those who work in some of the extracurricular stuff with AJ with our soccer. And uh, boy, exciting time it was yesterday watching all of our kiddos out there. And I'll be honest with you, I think that I have too much flesh in me to play soccer. Uh, as I was watching those kids kick each other in the shins all morning long, I'm thinking it would have taken about five minutes. My flesh would have been unleashed on somebody for kicking me in the shins. It sounded all this clacking you heard out there, but uh, I appreciate all of our coaches and young people uh, that uh, have attended yesterday and have invested in that and excited to see what the year is going to hold. Luke chapter number five, uh, if you're there, let's go ahead and stand. We have a small group here tonight, a lot younger legs. I think we can afford to stand for a little bit. Luke chapter number five. And look down to verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answered, saying, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, Lord, for our young people, Lord, and the blessing they are to us. Thank you, Lord, for all of those that invested them, Lord, for their parents first, for the commitment that they make, Lord, to have their young people here to church, and all those that are able to be at the school, and those that, uh, Lord, are faithful to teach at home. I pray that you bless each one of them as they raise them. Lord, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Lord, thank you so much for this church and the love we have for our young people. And I pray that we would indeed turn out a group and, Lord, groups of young people that are ready to go to the front lines, uh, Lord, and take stands for our faith. Thank you for the message tonight. I pray that you would, Lord, send it to deep within our hearts. Help us, Lord, to allow it to take root and be obedient to it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If I try to go in tonight to share with you what my hopes and uh, desires are for our young people, it would take us days, and if not days, even weeks, uh, to share what my hopes are for them. Uh, I shared with them in chapel the other day that I pray that they are the generation that will stand up and become the firewall that we're needing right now you know, in our country. Uh, I hated to tell them this because I'm very competitive by nature, uh, but I'm afraid that my generation as a whole is not going to get the job done. Uh, I always hoped growing up, I had a lot of Christian friends, a lot of the guys in my public school class and uh, even my friends in church, a lot of them would go on to serve in ministry, uh, be preachers and pastors and missionaries, and I'm thankful for that. But as a whole, my generation is not getting the job done. 
Uh, as a whole, I believe my generation, those, uh, I think we're Generation X, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think we're millennials, but that Generation X that they call it uh, is not going to be the generation that is that firewall that stops the spread of wickedness and immorality in our country and in our world. And I told our young people the other day, it's my prayer that this generation that's coming up through the ranks right now at Central Baptist Church and churches like ours all over the nation uh, will be that generation who steps up to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. And that's my hope. And I know that's the hope of all those that work with our young people. But if you could sum up tonight what my prayer is and what my desire and really what my burden is for our young people, not just those here, but those uh, tuning in tonight by a live stream, if you could sum it up really into one word, uh, my burden and my desire for them is opportunity. You know, all that we do here at Central Baptist Church with our school, our programs, our activities, our events, uh, our goal is to provide our young people godly opportunity. Obviously, the first opportunity we want to provide for them is the opportunity to be saved. When you come to a church where the gospel is preached and it's taught in Sunday school and in the children's chapels and at our school as well, you have an opportunity to hear the gospel over and over again, uh, and you're very used to hearing it and you're familiar with it. We've had even a lot of our young people at five and six, seven years old have come to accept Christ. And so that's obviously the number one opportunity we want to provide to our kiddos. But then we want them to grow from there. We want them to have the opportunity to learn about the things of God, the promises of God, and to learn how to grow in the Lord. Unfortunately, we're turning out all over this country young people who grew up in a good godly church and yet they haven't grown much past their salvation. You say, well, how do you know that? I just look at the adults. Uh, I don't know if you know this. Kids become teenagers. Teenagers become adults. And I hate to tell you, there's a lot of adults all over our country today sitting in pews all over, all over churches in this country who've yet to grow much past their salvation. And so it's my prayer that we not only provide the opportunity for our kids to be saved, but provide them an opportunity to grow in the Lord. And that purpose is it so they can go on to serve the Lord. Uh, I hope that's all of our desire tonight, is that the young people that leave our church go on to serve the Lord in his specific will for our life. Now, that doesn't mean God's going to call all of our young men to be preachers and pastors and our, our young ladies to the mission field. He's not going to call all of them to that, but he's going to call all of them to something. And my prayer is that all of our young people would be able to find and fulfill the will of God for their life. I'm not going to push any of them into ministry. I promise you this, mom and dad, if you can push them into ministry, Satan will push them out of ministry. They need to be led of God into the ministry from a genuine call of him. If God's not calling them to serve in full-time ministry, listen, you've got to have some good faithful church members come from somewhere. All right? Uh, I don't want all of our people. I'm scared to death. I really am that God's going to call some of our families to the mission field. I know that sounds horrible, but man, I hate losing anybody even to the mission field. But man, if God were to call some of them to go to China, God would call some to go to Australia and Papua New Guinea and other places around the world. What a blessing it would be that they got their feet planted firmly in their faith here at Central Baptist Church. That is what we should be all about here turning out young people that go on to find and fulfill the will of God. And it's our job to provide that opportunity. Another opportunity I hope we provide for them is for fellowship. How important it is to have a good, solid group of young people that can lean upon each other. Now, I know our kids are not perfect, and uh, they got problems like everybody else, but I hope that our young people will grow in fellowship and in unity and decide collectively, not just individually, but collectively, that they're going to go on to do great things for the Lord. I could go on. I have a huge list up here tonight that I could read for you, but I'm not. But ultimately, it's my desire 
that we provide our, our young people the opportunity to find and fulfill, to pursue and possess the will of God and the promises of God for their life. I mean, can you imagine what these young people that are here and those that are watching tonight could do if we just got them excited about finding the will of God at these young ages? If we just gave them an appetite for the promises of God in their life. You know, there's no age for the promises of God and the will of God and the word of God. You know, a lot of things we have to wait for. I know a lot of them are chomping at the bit to drive. My daughter asked me for the first time just a few weeks ago, Dad, could you start giving me some lessons on how to drive? And I'm thinking, yeah, surely there's a lawnmower around here somewhere we could use. Just turn her loose in the yard. That way she's learning how to drive and doing something productive all at the same time. They're chomping at the bit to that, but they have to wait to get those driver's license until, what, 16? I think that's the age. I think it's 19 or 20, right, Mom and Dad? I think it's 19 or 20. They have to wait to get their license. And, uh, you know, they want to vote and they want to go do some things on their own and have their own bank account. And for some odd reason, they're looking forward to having their own credit card and they're having to wait before they can do all all of that stuff, but to be honest with you, listen, right now they're old enough to get excited about pursuing and possessing the promises of God. But look, it's up to us, mom and dad, and and those that are working with our young people to point them in that direction. It's up to us to provide that opportunity. Now, here's what's sad. What's sad tonight is oftentimes we wait, or they wait, until they are grown-ups, if you will, and sometimes even older grown-ups. I'll let you define what older is, but older grown-ups, before they even begin to get an appetite for the promises of God. I think about Solomon there at the end of his life. Solomon says, here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Solomon had lived his life almost as, as a science experiment, a spiritual experiment, if you will. And Solomon had tried this and had tried that and done this and done that and had all of these possessions and had all of these earthly gains that you could want to desire as we live here on this planet that people aspire for. And at the end of his life, he says, here's the conclusion. The conclusion that I have figured out through this grand experiment of life is to fear God and keep his commandments. But the sad thing is that he waited so long and he wasted so much time to get excited about pursuing the will of God and the promises of God in his life. Tonight we're going to be looking at Peter just for a little while, Luke chapter number 5, and Peter almost missed out on one of God's great opportunities. All throughout the Word of God we read about opportunities that God provided his people to be a part of something wonderful, to be used personally of God, to be used collectively of God, and Peter's about to have an opportunity to be a part of something wonderful. I mean, we know the story. They're going to go out. They're going to cast their nets where they haven't caught anything all night long. The Bible says they're going to enclose a great multitude of fish in verse number six the bible says so many that their net break and god took the time to make sure that event and that opportunity was recorded in his word now i'll be honest with you i've been on a lot of fishing trips in my life and i enjoy getting to go fishing and isn't it good when you can just get into a whole mess of fish you just drop that line down in there and everywhere you you drop the line you're going to catch something i don't think any of us have ever been a part of something just like this but it was an opportunity that was provided by christ But what I want to see is how Peter went to possess this opportunity. It didn't happen just by accident, and I believe the opportunities God's going to provide our young people, listen, they're not going to stumble upon them by accident. They're going to have to know how to pursue those offers of opportunity. And that's what I want to preach on for a few minutes tonight, the offers of opportunity. 
How often do we read in the Word of God where our Father almost serves it up on a silver platter for us, opportunities. He makes us an offer of an opportunity of His blessings, of His power. He gives us the opportunities to walk with Him and serve Him, but oftentimes we don't know how to possess those offers of opportunity. And I think there's four things we're going to look at here tonight. I thought about five, and I thought, you know what, we're normally used to three, so we'll just stick with four. Then I want to show you how Peter accepted and made the most of the opportunity that God provided for him. Now look down, if you will, and we're going to pick up in verse number four. The Bible says, now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. Now understand what's going on here. We read the context where they were thronging Christ and coming up to Christ, wanting to hear the word of God. And so he saw a ship that was there and he stepped into Simon's ship and he says, thrust out just a little bit. Get away from the shore so that they could speak to everyone that was there. Get away where everybody could see him and he could see them. But the Bible says that after he finished speaking, he commanded Peter. I'm sure Peter was thinking, we're just going to go back to the shore. But Christ says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. The first thing I want you to notice is that word launch. He says, launch out in the deep and let down your nets for a drought. You see, Christ knew that there was an opportunity waiting offshore. All right. Christ knew that that great multitude of fishes that Peter was going to get to be a part of harvesting was just off the shore. But in order for Peter to take advantage of that opportunity, he was going to have to make the effort of launching out or pushing away from the shore. So the first thing I want us to see tonight, there are four very simple principles. Opportunity requires effort. Opportunity requires effort. Now, let me tell you this first to young people. God knows what he's prepared for you out there. God knows the opportunities that await every one of our young people. I can imagine what God has planned for them. I'm sure God's going to call some of them into ministry. I'm sure God has some of them a special job to do right here in Central Baptist Church. I hope we can hold on to all of the ones that God wants us to keep here and get behind all of those that God wants to send around the world. But let me tell you something tonight. In order for our young people to be able to reach the opportunities that God knows are out there in the deep, it's going to require some effort. Our young people are going to have to do their part. Now, I believe most of our young people tonight, if not all of them, desire to be used of God. If they're saved tonight, there's something inside of you that stirs, desiring to see exactly what God left you here to do. I hope that's in there. If it's not, we need to talk to Brother John or maybe talk to me. Let's figure out, hey, what's going on inside your heart? Because every one of us ought to have a desire to find and fulfill the will of God for our lives. But understand this. Finding the drought of opportunity that God has waiting for you just offshore is not going to happen by accident. It's going to require effort from our young people, first of all. You're going to have to be willing to do what is needed in order to obtain the opportunities of what God's prepared for you. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm a, I'm a timid person by nature, to be honest with you. I really am. Uh, I, I'm shy to some, some extent. I know you don't believe that, but I promise you I am. And oftentimes, I'm not the first one to the front of the line. I'm not one that wants to push myself out there in the front. But I want you to know something. If God's prepared something for you, and God has an opportunity for you, if God has a multitude of fishes out there with your name on it, you ought to not only desire to have it, but you ought to be willing to launch out. You ought to be doing what you need to do to pursue what God's prepared for you. I read an interesting quote today. I thought it made a wonderful sense. It said, God gives the birds their food. We read that in Matthew chapter 6. We know God provides the birds their food. But they go on to say this. God gives the birds their food, but he doesn't throw it into their nest. Think about it. 
God's prepared everything the birds need. He says in Matthew chapter 6 that he looks after the birds and he'll look after us so much the more. So if God provides the birds what they need, he's going to provide what we need. But notice, even though he provides what they need, they still have to go out there and harvest it. They're still going to have to put in the effort. Now, let me tell you something, mom and dad, it's our responsibility to help them with that effort. Look, I'm not talking about push them into ministry, but give them a desire and drive to be a part of pursuing what God's prepared for them. You say, I just don't believe we ought to push our young people. Oh, my goodness. I see mom and dads pushing their young people all the time. We push them in athletics. We push them in extracurricular. We push, we push, we push. Hey, what's wrong with pushing them to possess what God's prepared for them? Look, my daughter, she likes to eat just like her dad does. And uh, I cook brownies probably two to three times a week, right? About two to three times a week. I'm getting good at it. I really am. That's why I had to go to the gym with Brother AJ, because I'm getting so good at it. And, man, I'm working. The, I've even learned the, great, the thickness they need to be, okay? You don't want them too thick because it's like a piece of cake. You don't want them too thin because then it's brownie brittle. And so you've got to find the right thickness. I've just about got it. And my wife said this the other day. I think that's the best brownie I've ever eaten. That's high praise coming from the cook of our house. I'll cook those brownies. I'll put them up on the counter, and uh, Milo will be sitting over there on the couch. I love it. I love it. She does this every time. And she's just sitting over there on the couch, and you'll watch her. That nose goes up. She looks over at me, and she's just smiling at me. She's not going to be presumptuous. She's not just going to go there and get it. She's going to sit there and wait. Dad, what you been doing? I've just been in the kitchen, just, you know, just working on some stuff. What you working on? And uh, I says, well, you know, just, you know, just some stuff. So, okay. And she sits there a few more minutes. She's just looking around. A few minutes later, she says, did you cook brownies? I said, yeah. She says, do we get to eat them? I said, yeah, you want one? She says, yes, we'll go get it. Man, she gets off the couch. She goes in there and she eats some of my world famous brownies. But watch this. They're prepared and they're in there and they're good. According to my wife, they're good. It doesn't take much to please me. I just like food in general. But my wife says they're good. But in order for Molly to have that, she's got to launch off the couch. And as soon as I say yes, she launches off the couch. She gets up and puts in the effort to have what's been provided. Now, can I tell you something? Here's Peter, and they have spent all of this time sitting there listening to Christ teach. And oh, what a wonderful thing it is to be able to sit there at the feet of Christ and hear Christ teach. But now Christ is asking him to do something. There's going to be some effort required. Now, I'm so thankful for our young people that get to come and get to hear Brother Matthews preach and listen to our devotions. He does. I'm so thankful. He's the only one who's been faithful to keep up his devotions. After a while, the snowball got me, and I said, okay, I'm done. No more devotions in the morning. Just didn't have the time to work all that in. He's kept it up. It's wonderful to hear, and it's wonderful to sit under preaching. It's wonderful to be in children's chapel. But sooner or later, it's up to our young people to put forth the effort, not just to hear the teaching, but do what is needed to be done to possess what God has provided. I want you to know God has some great opportunities. Who knows what God's preparing for our young people, but we've got to get beyond just hearing the teaching and got to be willing to do the launching. He says, launch out into the deep. Proverbs 14, 23, the Bible says, in all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. That means poverty. The Bible says in all labor there is profit. We desire that our young people profit, but we've got to understand it requires some effort on their part. We must be willing to put in the work into them, and we've got to encourage them to put in the work to possess all that God has 
prepared. Think about this. Think about the opportunity that God provided Elijah to see fire come down from heaven. What an opportunity. I don't know we'll ever get to see that in this life, that's for sure. But God prepared that opportunity, and Elijah got to see God work in such a marvelous way. But remember, Elijah had to rebuild the altar. There was some effort required on Elijah's part. Think about Noah. What an opportunity that God provided Noah. But Noah still had to build the boat. I'm telling you, if you've never seen the ark, you ought to go up there and look at it. It's an unbelievably massive ship. And to realize there was someone who had enough faith to do that. Now, God provided the opportunity, but Noah had to provide the effort. Peter had the opportunity to walk on water, but he still had to get out of the boat. You see the the pattern here? If we desire the opportunities of what God's prepared just offshore, we have to be willing to put in the effort. So number one, if we desire the opportunities that God's prepared for our young people, both mom and dad and young people, we've got to put in the effort. The sad thing is oftentimes we spend most of our time doing the first part of chapter 5. What are they doing in the first part of chapter 5? And it came to pass, verse 1, that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. Let me tell you, look, hearing the word of God is wonderful. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's an essential part of our Christian wall. You've got to hear the word of God. But sooner or later, listen, mom and dad, I fear that our children are learning from us that hearing the word of God is the end of things. Why? Because often they do not see us put the effort in to what we've heard. If we want our young people to take what we're giving them and put it into practice, they need to see that in us. They need to see us be doers of the word, not just hearers only. There's a term that is used that I think is appropriate tonight for the message. Uh, NASA spends a lot of time building those space shuttles. And uh, we just sent one of our first ones up in a long time. They spent all of these millions, if not billions of dollars, building these space shuttles, preparing all of that. And they have launch day, and they're counting it down. And they'll go through all of the systems or go. And it comes time for the launch, and something goes wrong. And you know what they call that? They call that a failure to launch. All the preparation went into it, all the work went into it, all the planning went into it, all of the the pieces went into it, and yet all of that came together for nothing. It was a failure to launch. I believe that's the problem we have today in our churches. We put all the work and the effort into our young people, but we don't encourage them to launch, to push off from the shore just a little bit and go find what God's prepared for them. Listen, I want to hold on to mine as long as I can. I'm telling her that the legal age for getting married in Mississippi is 35 years old. All right? That's, in my mind, that's what it is. I mean, everything's relative today. All right? That's the way I identify the law. I identify the law as 35. I want to hold on to her as long as possible. But you know what I want more for her than holding on to her? I want her to find what I found. And that's what God had prepared for me. There's nothing like finding and fulfilling the will of God, pursuing and possessing the will of God. There is nothing in life like that, and I want that for her, and it just might mean that I have to let go of her sooner or later and let her launch out in the deep. I don't want her to be another casualty, a failure to launch spiritually. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read you an article from Psychology Today. Listen to this. Psychology Today has adopted this term from NASA. The term failure to launch is an increasingly popular way to describe the difficulties some young adults face when transitioning into the next phase of development. We're not talking about kids. We're talking about adults. They've adopted the term failure to launch. 
We've got too many, listen, moms and dads, grown-ups who've yet to launch their self. Why? Because they're not willing to put in the effort in order to have the opportunity. So number one, how do we accept the offer of opportunity? Opportunity requires effort. You're going to have to put in some work. Young people, listen to me. The will of God's not going to be dropped on you like a stork flying by dropping the baby off in the parachute. You're going to have to put in some effort, mom and dad. You've got to put in some effort if our kids are going to have the opportunities that God's provided. Number two, look down. He says in verse number four, launch out into the deep. Launch out into the deep. Now, this is important. Here's Peter. In order for Peter to possess what Christ has prepared for him. Christ knows there's a big old school of fish out there waiting on him. And Christ is trying to connect Peter, the opportunity, with what he's prepared out there. But can I tell you what Peter's going to have to do in order to possess that? That's number two. Notice opportunity requires obedience. Opportunity requires obedience. There is no fulfilling the opportunities and possessing the promises of all God's prepared without obedience. Oh, mom and dad, if there's something I can encourage you tonight to make sure your children, when they leave your house, they may not leave with a 4.0 GPA. They may not leave with a bank account full of money or the finest car that they're the envy of all the kids in the neighborhood. But if they leave something in your house, with, from your house, they need to leave knowing obedience. They must learn to obey. Why? Because obedience is the key to fulfilling God's opportunities. Peter would have never have possessed the great, the, the, the great drought of fish that were there had Peter not just been obedient. In the end, listen, this was not complicated. Sometimes we overthink things, okay? I have that problem. Uh, I'm sure I've passed it on to my daughter. We overthink things. In the end, all Peter had to do was what Christ told him to do in order to have what Christ had prepared for him. And I'll tell you something, Mom and Dad. Our kids have got to know how to obey. You see, one day they're going to be out from under our roof. And it would be nice if it was a smooth transition from our roof out to under God's roof when it's just them and God. You see, right now you're that mediator between your child and God. But sooner or later you're going to be out of the position. It's going to be just them and God. And, oh, listen, God, help us that we taught them how to obey. Why? Because obedience is the key to fulfilling God's opportunities. You know, there was no way... You look down, if you will, to verse number 6. The Bible says, and when they had this done. When they had this done. You know what that is? Obedience. Obedience is when you just do what God said do. When they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. Oh, I tell you, look, I, I don't look forward to the day that Miley gets married. I really don't. Uh, Brother Lapone, my goodness, the other day I stood right here, and here comes his daughter, and I'm being honest with you. I'm flashing in my mind thinking, I'm going to be here one day. And one day somebody's going to ask me, who gives this bride away? And I'm not going to want to give her away. Why do you put it that way? You know, Who lets her go is what I'm going to probably have them say. Who lets her go? And I'm like, I guess we have to. You know, They're in love and going to let her go when she's 35 years old. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, that's going to be me one day. And I'm not looking forward to when I have to give her up or when I have to give her away. But I'll tell you something. Oh, how I hope and pray and look forward as a dad to be able to watch my kid. And oh, be careful because there's going to be a bullseye on your back as soon as I say this. I look forward to the day to watch my kid catch fish. I want to watch my kid catch fish. I'm going to hate the day 
that that boat launches out from my shore, I'm going to hate it. I'm going to be a basket case. I'm not preaching the next Sunday. I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to hate it. But man, I hope as her dad to sit back on the shore one day and watch my kid pursue the promises of God and catch a whole bunch of fish. I mean, it's going to be like touchdown. Yeah. You know, she, she may not have the biggest mansion and she may not build a mansion for her mom and dad one day to come and live beside her and be her neighbors for it feels like we never left. She may not send her dad on an elk hunt every year like he would like to do, you know, and all of that and buy him new hunting rifles. But man, if she just catches fish, oh my goodness. If she just catches fish, I watch moms and dads who have kids in Bible college or just going out into the world and are serving God faithfully in a church or just faithful husbands and wives. And I watch them, I say, you must be so proud. They're doing it. They're doing it. They're doing what we taught them and trained them to do. And can I tell you what the key is? Don't overthink this. Well, listen, it's not that they have to go to Bible college. No, no. The key is simple this. It's obedience. If we don't teach them obedience, we failed our kids. Why? Obedience is the key to them catching fish. Obedience is the key to them possessing the promises of God. And look, at the very least, you may not be able to give them money or possessions or fame, but give them obedience because that's going to be the key to having God's blessings on their life. Turn with me back to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter number 30. I'm going to show you something right quick. Look down, if you will, verse number look at verse number 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you or to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. I mean, I think all of us would say, you know, I think my kid's smart enough to choose life. Let me show you how you choose life and blessing. Verse 20, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and thou mayest obey his voice. Thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life. You know, there's no way to have blessings in life without obedience. There's no way. Solomon, look, Solomon in the grand experiment of Solomon's life, it was an experiment. And he tried every way to have blessings in life. And in the end, he says, it was none of those things. It was fearing God and what? Keeping his commandments. What is keeping his commandments? It's obedience. Number two tonight, if we want our young people to have all the opportunity that God's prepared for them just offshore, let's understand that opportunity requires obedience. I was thinking this afternoon, I love, I love the Old Testament miracles that God worked for his people. Probably one of my favorites is the falling of the walls of Jericho. I mean, that one's beat into us from Sunday school, right? And then they marched around and they marched around and marched around and they blew the trumpets and the walls fell down flat. Do you really think it was a reverberation of their voices and trumpets that brought those walls down? Do you know what brought those walls down? It was obedience. They just did what God said. And I think about the, the enemies our young people are going to face. I'm talking about it's getting scary quick, isn't it? It's getting scary quick. Watching the news and what's going on in our world. You know, I think I will see it, but I know she's going to see it. And they're going to face Jerichos, enemies, fortresses. They're so mighty. 
that would just make, make, the, make any other enemy just faint at heart trying to attempt to attack them. And yet the walls of Jericho fell through obedience. We've got to teach them obedience. Not just for God's blessings, but for having God's providence in our life. So what is obedience? It's simply this. What did Jesus tell Peter to do? Well, he says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. Watch this. There's two parts to this. He had a net. That was the tools that he had and he was given. He was to take the tools he was given and do what Christ told him to with the tools. Isn't that what we pray for our young people? Right now we're equipping them. We're giving them nets that they're going to need to catch the fish of what God's provided. And then all they have to do is take the tools they have and do what Christ said with them. That's what obedience is. Just take what God said and do what he said with it. Number two. Opportunity requires obedience. Now, let's look down real quickly. The Bible says, launch out into the deep. Now, that second word there that Christ uttered is very important. He says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. That word out means Christ is giving them guidance. He's guiding them to exactly where the fish are at. You know, I think all of us probably have somewhere we love to go fishing. We call it a honey hole, you know. We've got that spot, and you're welcome to share it with me. All right, I figure pastor, we're kind of like that close relationship. You can share the honey hole with me and tell me where it's at, and I'll share with you where, where somebody else's are at, okay. But we all have those honey holes where we know where the fish are at. And I had a couple of our men tell me about some places to go fishing around here, and they said, all right, you've got to go up the creek. When you get around that bend, there's this tree and a limb hangs over the, there. You fish right underneath that limb. You know what they're doing? They're guiding me to the sweet spot. Or at least I think they are. I haven't tried it yet. They may just be lying to me like a snipe hunt or something. And I'm going to waste all of my time. But they're trying to guide me to it. Now listen to me. God's prepared promises. God, listen, he's prepared opportunities for our kids. But understand, the third thing we're going to need for them to attain the opportunity, opportunity requires direction. They've got to have direction. Now, here's Peter. Christ wanted him to possess something he prepared. But in order to get Peter to where the opportunity was, it required some direction. Now, folks, look, this is very simple tonight. We can spend all of our life fishing, dropping a hook here, dropping a hook here, dropping a hook here. But look, there's not fish everywhere. You've got to find where the fish are at. And we can spend our whole life trial and erroring. Most of the time, by the way, it's erroring. Or we can just follow direction to exactly where they're at. Can I tell you what our young people need in order to possess the opportunities of God? They've got to have some direction. They've got to have direction. I read an interesting story about Samuel Cooleridge. He was with a friend who was a very leftward-leaning friend who did not believe you should tell children what to do. You should let them figure out life on their own and establish their own belief system. And when they become an adult, they are who they decided to be. Coolidge asked him to see his garden. Very wise man. He says, I'd like to see your garden. So he walks around back, attempting to use it as an illustration. And when they got around there, not only was it not a garden, but it was just weeds and vines growing everywhere. Coolidge looked at him and he says, this is a mess. This is not a garden. And here's what he said. I did not wish to infringe upon the liberty of the garden in any way. I was just giving the garden a chance to express itself and to choose its own production. I assure you tonight, the Bible is true when the Word of God says that a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. 
That's what the word of God says. Left to himself. What does that mean? Without direction. You've got to have direction. Our young people, what a shame it would be for them to waste their teenage years. The Bible says to remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. What a shame it would be to waste all of those years trialing and erroring when if somebody loved them enough to give them a direction to tell them where the promises of God are at. The opportunities are going to require direction. We've got to tell them where to go. Now look, the opportunities are there. They are there. But the Bible says that we are to bring our children up and they're nurtured, listen close, and admonition of the Lord. Admonition means direction. Somebody's at a point. Somebody's at a point. The other day I saw where that bridge collapsed there in Pensacola. I mean, very, very frightening. Someone said a barge hit it. Somebody said it was from the hurricane. And there were people out there giving direction. You know, putting up barricades, don't you can't go through here. Because they didn't want them to go out there and find out that there was a hole out there. And I think that's just a kind thing to do. Amen. I just think if you see a hole out there in the road, you ought to tell somebody about that. Uh, at least big enough to swallow your car. Well, folks, how often do we see young people going in a direction that we know the bridge is out and we just let them go? And then, and then when they make train wreck, we have the audacity to say, I knew that was going to happen. Folks, listen, the young people's blood is going to be on our hands. You say, well, I don't have any kids. doesn't matter. If you have influence and we're part of this church, we're part of the body of Christ, we should care enough for the body to give it some direction. I mean, some of these young people could be dangerous for the cause of Christ. They could accomplish much for the cause of Christ and possess much of the blessings and opportunities of God if we just gave them a little bit of direction. But here's the problem. Why wouldn't we want to give them direction? Well, we... Don't give them direction. It's because oftentimes we don't want to have to live up to our own direction. I know that from a parent standpoint. Man, it's hard for me to tell my daughter, you need to go to bed early because you'll feel better when you get up, when you, when you get up in the morning. You'll be rested and excited and all this. It's hard for me to tell her that when I just want to sit on the couch for a few minutes and watch another episode of Bonanza. I, I'm serious. That's my, that's my happy place right now. Go, to the, go out to the Ponderosa and me and the Cartwrights just have a good old time together. You see, it's hard to give direction when we know we're not living by that direction. But can I tell you what motivates me? What motivates me is I want to see her catch some fish. I want to see her catch some fish. And I know where the fish are at. Why? Because I have this guide map to where the good fishing grounds are of God. But in order for me to give her direction, i got to be willing to not just give her direction with my mouth, but give her direction by my example. Proverbs 29, 15 is the verse I quoted a moment ago. The Bible says, the rod and reprove, we won't go there, give wisdom. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. The world we see is a world today that's been left to itself. You see young people, and you wonder why these young people have these such weird ideas. Not, not ours, at least not most of ours, but uh, most of these young people in the world, I mean, they're just weird. They're just weird. I mean, they got off-the-wall ideas. You're thinking, where did you get that from? They got it from themselves because, unfortunately, oftentimes they're left to themselves. Number three, opportunity requires direction. Christ says, launch out. He's giving them direction. We've got to give these young people direction. Finally, it says, launch out in the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Here's Peter. <clears throat> oh, Peter <clears throat> is facing the age-old conflict. It's something I face every day. I have faced it today. To where you know what Christ has said, but your mind says different. 
You want to do something different. And you have to decide at that moment who you're going to believe. Are you going to believe self? Are you going to believe God? Peter says, we fished all night long. There's nothing out there. We fished all night. We fished in our nets and our nets and our nets. And there's nothing there. There's no fish. But you know the only way that Peter was going to possess these promises and take advantage of the opportunity is those three words at the bottom of verse number five. He says, nevertheless, at thy word. Number four, and finally tonight, opportunity requires faith. Opportunity requires faith. Peter couldn't see the fish, but by faith he could. He says, at thy word, you say so. You say so. I've been fishing out there all night. I haven't caught a thing. But if you say so, we're going to go out there and do what you said with the tools that we've been given. And they went out there, and the Bible says they had this done. They enclosed a great multitude of fishes. If there's one thing our young people need tonight, it's faith. They're going to have to have faith. They're not going to see all of the opportunities. They're not going to see all of the promises. That's why it's important we teach them that when they can't see it, they can still believe it. Amen? They're fixing to go into a world. Oh, my goodness. I mean, the generation that's going to be graduating in the next two to three years, who knows the world they're going to be living in? And they're not going to be able to see the opportunities that are there, but they're there. Why? Because God says they're there. If they just learn to adopt the principle that, you know what? At thy word, Central Baptist Church will outlive my generation. Central Baptist Church will outlive their generation. But the only way they're going to make it is to have a little bit of faith to see what they can't see of themselves. Hebrews chapter 11, Hall of Fame of Faith. I want to encourage you young people. I'm not going to tell you you have to, but I want to encourage you to go read Hebrews chapter 11 and look at all the great works that were done. Look what God did through those groups of people, but you'll notice every one of them did it by faith. The opportunity that God provided them, whether it was Moses or Abraham or Abel, all of them accomplished what they did by faith. Can I tell you something tonight, young people? You can trust God. You can trust God. You can take him at his word. I have been so disappointed in myself the past few weeks, probably the past two weeks for sure, as I try to take stock of who I need to contact and make make, uh, touch bases with and make sure folks don't fall for the crack, whether visitors or members, and I start compiling a list of folks that I haven't contacted in, in a little while, and the list kept growing and growing and growing. I didn't deserve brownies, I'll be honest with you. I sat there looking at the list and looking at the people that over the past few weeks I haven't checked in on and just let, let all the life consume my time. I didn't get in touch with them. And I realized I let them down. And I've let some folks know that I've let them down, not staying in touch with them like I should. And it's just crazy right now, but that's no excuse. And I, I assure you, young people, I'll eventually let you down if I haven't already. But I assure you, God's not going to let you down. Whatever he calls you to do, whatever direction he leads you in, you can take him at his word, even when you can't see it. Because I assure you, if you only go after the opportunities you see, you're going to miss the best ones, all right? The low-hanging fruit of the opportunities that you can see, those are good because God provided them, but all the ones that you have to wait for by faith, those are the good ones. Those are the ones where the walls fall down and the Red Sea parts. Those are the ones where you get to walk on water. It's only going to happen by faith. And if you want to find all the opportunities that God's prepared for you, they're only going to come by faith. So tonight I want you to know something, young people, moms and dads, those watching tonight. I pray for all of our young people 
to possess all the opportunities that God's preparing for them. I think about all the schools of fish that are swimming out there in the ocean of our world, waiting on the young people of Central Baptist Church to come catch them. All the lost souls that need to be saved because our young people are going to launch out. All of the families are going to be encouraged because our young people are going to take the tools they were given and just be obedient to the Word of God. I look forward to those opportunities, but they're not going to happen by accident. It's going to require four things. It's going to require effort on the kids' part and on mom and dad's part. You've got to put some work into them. They're not going to happen and turn out as they're supposed to by accident. Number two, it's going to require obedience. If there's anything we're teaching them, I assure you, I assure you. Look, athletics, I enjoy athletics, nothing wrong with that. But if, if your kid leaves your house the most awkward, unathletic kid in the world and yet knows how to obey God, you won. You won. Why? Because now they have the key that's going to open the door to the blessings of God and the promises of God. Without obedience, they're not going to have it. Number three, opportunity requires direction. Mom and dad, look, let's point with our lips and let's point with our life. Let's show them where they got to go. Let's show them. Listen, let's not just tell them where they need to go and what they need to do. Let's show them. Let's give them an example. I have a grandmother and grandfather served faithfully in, in Mexico as missionaries. They just walked out of a three-story home, walked out of it to go to the mission field. And they went to the mission field and built a church that's still down there to this day. I got to visit it many, many times as a young person. And I just saw how they just walked out of this house. It literally rotted into the ground. The big hole in the ground where the guys play basketball at camp, that was their house. That was where their house was. And they just trusted God, went to the mission field. Then I watched the mom and dad. Dad quit a good job in construction and just went to, to serve God. We moved from the east coast of Florida, a very affluent community, uh, to a dirt road in Carson, Mississippi. Culture clash. I just watched God take care of mom and dad. Just watched it, watched it. He never let them down. And then June of 1995, God knocks on my heart's door and says, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Now, wait a minute, God. I want to play basketball. Don't laugh. I know you're new to that, but that's what I wanted to do. I want to play basketball. God says, do you trust me? And man, I just agonized down there at the altar. Do I give in? Do I give in? Do I give in? And it just kept resonating. Do you trust me? You know what pictures popped in my head? Mama and Papa. He never let them down. I watched him trust him. Mom and Dad never let them down. I watched him trust him. All right. I saw what you did for them. I'm going to trust you're going to do it for me. Come on, Mom and Dad, let's give them some direction, not just with our lips. Let's direct them with our life. Let's show them by example. And then finally, opportunity requires faith. Let's teach our young people they can trust God. Let's teach them they can trust God. And one day, one day, maybe all of us, old folks, will sit on the porch at Cracker Barrel, and we'll rock, and we'll talk about our young people and how they have been launched, and they're out there catching fish. For the cause of Christ. I think that's all of our desire tonight. God has an offer of opportunity. We've got to do our part to make sure our young people are able to make all of the opportunity that they can. Heads are bowed tonight. Eyes are closed.